This is Cruise Radio. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this bonus episode of Cruise Radio, a review of Queen Mary 2. Rick will be here in just a couple of moments to share his experience of his seven-night eastbound crossing, yeah, from New York to England on the Queen Mary 2. So looking forward to that review. Uh, before we get to Rick, don't forget about our Cruise Radio News Facebook group. Come in there and kick around the cruise conversation. We'd love to have you. Just search Cruise Radio News on Facebook. All right, what's going on, Rick? Hey, Doug. How are you? Good, my friend. Uh, good talking to you again. Now, you you like Cunard. You're a, you're a Cunard fan. So uh, I want to ask you, though, what made you want to book this uh, eastbound? And uh, why, why eastbound and not westbound? Well, uh, as you say, I've, I've sailed with Cunard uh, 31 years, and uh, I really in, enjoy the onboard atmosphere and, and their cruise product. And we decided that we were going to go back to Europe again this year. And we had done one other crossing on Queen Mary 2 10 years ago, uh, which was an eastbound. And we initially wanted to do a westbound uh, to have the 25-hour days rather than 23-hour days, mm-hmm. uh, but it didn't work with the scheduling. So uh, we we went ahead and, and did this, and, and it was fabulous. Now, uh, you get to the cruise terminal, which uh, I believe you embark in Brooklyn there in New York City, correct? Right, okay. right, Red Hook. Yeah, in Red Hook. And how was that embarkation process for you? Well, we had flown in the night prior. I didn't want to, to risk... Um, missing the ship because you missed it on this one and you're just out of luck. Yeah. Uh, so we flew into Newark and uh, overnighted there. And I had a, a car service pick us up uh, about 10 o'clock. And, mm-hmm. and it was only about mm, 40 minute ride that time of day. Uh, traffic wasn't too horrible. And uh, we got right in, in, into, to Red Hook, but, um, they evidently are having they were having some issues some people said there was a uh, a new uh, computer system uh, we're not quite sure so things were a little bit delayed um but uh, we got on uh, in within about an hour the last time you sailed the ship had did it already undergo this major refurb or was this your first time on it since the refurb it, that was one of the other reasons we wanted to go. Uh, the last time we were on it was in 2010. Mm-hmm. And so we were really anxious to see the remastering. Okay. Uh, I read a lot and uh, researched a, a lot of photos. And it was even better th- than I had hoped it would be. Cool. What kind of stateroom did you book on here? Being a, a transatlantic and, and on this ship, there's so many activities going on. Uh, that the cabins are are not very important to us in that. So we just booked uh, an inside cabin, and we ended up on deck six, right in the in the middle of the ship. So it was one deck up to Promenade and Kings Court and Corinthia uh, Lounge, and uh, uh, easy access to everything. And and in case it was a rough crossing, it was an ideal location to be as far as ride is concerned. Mm-hmm. Hey, what did you think of the space in the, uh, one of those inside cabins on Queen Mary 2? They're ab- about 158 mm-hmm. square feet, and they're designed to have uh, quite a bit of storage. You, you can put suitcases underneath the beds, and then they have uh, ample uh, closet space. And one of the nice things uh, on this ship are the, the bathroom design in that the shower is, is really large. Uh, it's much bigger than what it is on uh, Queen Victoria or Queen Elizabeth. 
so with the, the new refit as, as well, the, the chunky uh, uh, CRT televisions are gone and they're, they're flat panel. And while they put kettles in, in the room and it sits on the desk and takes up space, you can have the steward take that away. And the new furnishings uh, have a side chair, and they're a little bit smaller, but uh, very contemporary. And uh, it actually made it feel uh, larger than what it really is. Okay. Cool. Let's talk about dining uh, on board the Queen Mary 2. Uh, we'll just start. How is the main dining room? And, and how is, does the seating work on this? Is it a is it like a regular cruise ship where they do um, late seating and early seating? Or is there an anytime seating? How does that work? It, it depends on your, your cabin grade. Okay. Um, your, what your cabin uh, type is determines where you will eat as far as main uh, dining is concerned. And the vast majority of, of, of balconies, outsides, inside cabins are in what's called the Britannia restaurant. And it's a traditional dining. You have early at 6, late at 8.30. Um, however, there are a, a level of balcony cabins, uh, standard balcony cabins that are labeled Britannia Club. And they have a separate section in the dining room and uh, it's enclosed. Mm-hmm. And that is as uh, open seating. You have an assigned table, but it's from six thirty to nine. And then, if you're uh, in the Princess Grill or Queen's Grill, uh, they each have a, a restaurant, and they are uh, open seating as well from six thirty to nine. Okay. And what did you think of the food in the main dining room? Uh, we were really happy with it. I, I felt that in general everything was was very well prepared. Um, what was, should have been hot came out hot and what should have been cold came out cold. Uh, flavor, uh, was very good. Uh, breads were, were excellent. The chilled soups were, were good. Entrees were, were nice. Uh, it was a proportionate size. Um, so you didn't come out just stuffed, which, which is really a nice thing. Uh, so it, we had no problems with with anything in in the Britannia. I thought the selection w- was pretty good. And while they don't list an always available uh, directly on the menu, they do have like salmon, shrimp, uh, mm-hmm. or and uh, chicken, and that you can choose from if, if something isn't appealing to you. The the King's Court buffet always gets mixed reviews. Uh, what were your thoughts of it? Well, you know, in the past we had used it very little, and and this time uh, in during embarkation, um, we ended up going in, into the uh, uh, Golden Lion Pub uh, for fish and chips. But the, as, as sail away, when we left New York, it was a beautiful evening, and the ship was about an hour late, and uh, we elected then to because we had early seating to skip going to the dining room the first night and watch as we go under the Verrazano Narrows uh, bridge mm-hmm. and then out into the Atlantic. And so uh, we went into the King's court and we thought that for dinner, uh, it was, it was an adequate selection. It is a beautifully redone. Uh, the, the room is in, in uh, grays and whites uh, with blues and, and pops of yellow. And it, uh, uh, has various stations and they, they have different things. You get back into what was the old chef's galley and they have more of a, 
pizza and, and, and sandwich section back there. But we thought that the quality of, of dinner was outstanding. And what seemed kind of odd to us, because we ended up having uh, lunch in there a, a couple other times, was the, the selection was bigger seemingly at lunch than it was at dinner. But at all times, we felt the, the quality was outstanding. You mentioned the Golden Lion Pub. How is that? Is that a um, four-fee place or is it complimentary dining? No, it's complimentary. It's it's a, a traditional British pub, and if you want ales or um, uh, other uh, drinks, you, you can get them in there. But during uh, lunchtime, they also serve pub food, meaning fish and chips or shepherd's pie or mm-hmm. um, that sort of thing. And their fish and chips were absolutely outstanding. Cool. And getting space can be a problem, uh, getting in there, because it's just a first-come, mm-hmm. first-serve. Right. But the, the quality w- was really good. And they had live entertainment in there as well. Speaking of entertainment, what did you think of the uh, entertainment on this week-long cruise? Because since there is no ports, you got to stay entertained for seven straight nights. I could sum it up in that after uh, having spent seven nights at sea, I was nowhere near ready to get off. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the the Canard has probably the best uh, uh, guest lecturers uh, that uh, are in in the business, in in my opinion. And this crossing may have been a little unusual in in the variety. Uh, we, they also had the uh, National Symph- Symphony Orchestra from London, okay. and they cross once or twice a year, and uh, they gave two performances on board. And it was like a night at the proms. Uh, the conductor performs a lot at Royal Albert Hall in, in London. And it was outstanding. And the, their string section combined with Kennard string section then one afternoon for uh, a classical music concert. Um, we had a New York Times uh, speaker bureau reporter talking about national affairs. There was a a uh, British aviation expert who has managed airports and written on uh, aviation history, gives several programs. Um, uh, Derek Tedder, who had worked uh, as a journalist for BBC, ITV, Sky, and now works for the uh, British Army, talked about uh, uh, television uh, journalism and everything from sets and, and how things function to interesting interviews and combat zones that he had been in. Uh, there was an ocean liner historian that was on board who, who was a very good as, as well. So there was something going on every day, multiple times a, a day, uh, and depending on, on what your, your interests were. And that in addition to the normal uh, uh, offerings as far as activities on board are concerned. You mentioned your stateroom was on deck six, and it was a good place to be in case you had rough seas. How the weather hold out for you? Well, on a crossing, you can have anything and everything. Mm-hmm. And the the first day at sea, uh, we could have been in the Caribbean. It was a gorgeous day. We saw whales, dolphins, and even several sharks wow. uh, coming up to the ship. And then we had two days of fog and a little bit of mist, but you could still go outside and and uh, walk on their expansive promenade deck. Um, and then we had one day, it was a little rough, 
and and rain, and then the last day it it turned out real nice. So overall, uh, it was extremely smooth uh, crossing the, the the whole seven days. Since it was remastered or refurbed, um, whatever they want to call it, uh, what changes did you really like that they've changed up a little bit? The King's Court, uh, the redesign of it, made it much more user-friendly, and aesthetically, it, it, it's more appealing. But the to us, the, the best change came from what was their Winter Garden, which is also on Deck 7, just immediately forward of, of the King's Court. And it had always been, well, rather um, odd in its look. It, it had a kind of a tropical feel, mm-hmm. and it seemed out of place uh, on the ship, and never anybody in there. And so they gutted the room completely and transformed it into the Corinthia Lounge, and it was busy all the time. They have light, uh, what they call light bites, for breakfast, lunch, uh, until about two o'clock in the afternoon, and they have a few things in the evening. Uh, it's a coffee bar. It's a, they have a huge selection of port, um, which we did, we didn't try that, but it's I guess what the largest selection of port wines uh, at sea. But the the room is kind of done in the mid-century style with a Wedgwood blue, uh, yellow accents, and they had a. a either a pianist or a harpist that would, would play in there uh, several times during the evenings. But people would use the room all day long, either to get a drink or to stop and read or, or meet friends and, and for com- conversation. But the, the rest of the ship, with like in the, in the uh, Grand Lobby, they removed uh, uh, two elevator banks that only went up several decks that went up into the King's Court. And that expanded both the King's Court and the Grand Lobby. Okay. It opened up the space uh, quite a bit. But the other rooms all have new carpeting and, and uh, uh, new soft goods everywhere. But that, those were the two standouts as far as uh, I could tell that the, the redesign made a big improvement in. You make your way to Southampton. How was your debark process? Just curious, uh, you know, being a U.S. citizen, getting off into the U.K., I mean, I'm sure it's not that difficult, but was there anything, um, is it any different than embarking from uh, embarking in the U.S.? Oh, yeah. It, that's one of the joys of making a transatlantic crossing. Whenever you're, you're going eastbound, uh, British customs officials sail with the ship. Okay. And you know, when you're, they go according to deck, although you can go at any time, but everybody has to go through it. And what they do, they use a section of the, of the Britannia restaurant uh, when it's not in food service. And you just go up with your passport and your cruise card and get in line and uh, meet with the customs person. They'll ask a few questions, you know, what are you doing? How long are you going to be in, in the United Kingdom? And they go ahead and stamp your passport for Southampton on the the date of arrival. So that once the ship docks, uh, like any of the others, you put your luggage out the night prior, you walk off, get your bags, and you're free. There is nothing else to do. You just walk on out. It could not be easier or less stressful. What a cool gig. The British customs officials sail with a ship. I know. I want that job. <laughs> you work about four hours a day, and then you get a free crossing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wonder, wonder how often the same people do the same crossings. That's that's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, 
I think there'd be pretty stiff competition to get that. Yeah, you'd have a lot of seniority probably with the the British government <laughs> yeah. for that. Um, cool. Well, do you have any first time tips to offer someone considering sailing Queen Mary too? Um, it, you know, it is an ocean liner. It is not a cruise ship. And I overheard several people complain about the layout, and that that kind of. And I I hear that on on different ships that will go on, and it. To be perfectly honest, it kind of annoys me because the the cruise lines do publish a thing called deck plans, <laughs> uh-huh. and it makes a world of difference if you look at it prior to going. And you, people have to understand that this ship was built specifically to cross the Atlantic. She is much longer. Uh, her design is totally different. Her power structure is totally different. And there are some oddities as far as, as moving forward and aft, like to get to the Queen's Room, which has fabulous afternoon tea. It's the largest ballroom at, at, at sea. And to go forward to the Illuminations, uh, uh, which is the, where the, a lot of the lectures go on, and the Planetarium. And there's just a side passageway that, that goes through. Uh, and there's beautiful places there to sit and watch the ocean uh, go by. But... Um, that as far as a tip is concerned, I would really encourage people to study the locations of, of cabins, determine what they want, and to study the deck plans so that when you get on board, you're not going to waste your time thinking, uh, where do I go to get from point A to point B? Yeah, good point. Looking back over this seven-night sailing, what was the biggest highlight for you? Um. Really, for for me, it's it's the people that you meet on on Kennard, mm-hmm. uh, the the lecturers, the fellow passengers. They tend to be well educated, well traveled, uh, very engaged uh, in in learning uh, about uh, different people and uh, what all's going on. And but the very best experience is just being at sea mm-hmm. and having that that total tranquility. Uh, being out in, in the open ocean on the greatest ship in the world. Final thoughts of Queen Mary 2. Can't wait to go back. Awesome. Been talking with Rick about his seven-night eastbound voyage on Queen Mary 2. Rick, thanks for sharing your experience with us tonight. Thank you. Let's see what we've got for you. Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.